As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting normally out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario, Canada. Now broadcasting mostly from people's desks and offices and basements, closets, and sex dungeons, whatever is the most convenient, vaguely soundproofed or uh, acoustically viable location. I am Jack, and... And We've I'm got Joel. Joel here. Yeah. How's JJB. Going, Joel? How's doing going, good. JJB? Doing, doing pretty good. You know, I like I'm like riding high. Like I feel I'm like really pumped up. Um and that's just the product of having a really good D D session. Like I don't want to say too early, but it was like maybe one of my favorite that I've ever had. As a player, as a DM, anything like that. I felt like it was a lot of fun for me. From today or previously? Just now. All right. Well, let's get into it because we can just uh, skip the usual uh, dancing around it But uh, because we've both been playing D&D. So, Joel, why was this one so appealing to you? Well, you do a lot of, like, crafting fights and, like, making, like, interesting things. And, like, usually they don't work out. Ah! Usually usually either the players just roll over it in, like, two rounds. Or the player is like way too hard, and I think now that you've had a little DMing experience, maybe you can speak on that. Where it's like you got to be like, "Oh crap, you know this is way too much," or it's just boring. You know, it's like yeah, you're with a lot of health, and you're just punching away, and yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing interesting happens. So this one, like, I was like, okay, how can I use the train? How can I use you know the water, everything like that? Uh, you've got something with like god powers, so you can break all the regular rules for spells and just do whatever you want. Yeah. And we got these tidal waves coming in, and obviously nobody was on the shore, so it didn't really affect anybody. But it was still kind of cool seeing all these sh- crabs crashing on the shore, and yeah. everybody's running around. And the crabs are a threat, but they're not a major threat. You just kind of got to avoid them. And then you guys are doing like crazy amounts of damage to this demigod. And first time we've ever encountered one of those, as far as I know. Yeah, I can't think of any. And then at the same time, you know, like big epic conclusion where like one guy's unconscious, everybody else is sort of rallied around, and then you guys get like a cool benefit from a deity that you guys have been spending the entire campaign basically uh, supporting, and Satasia's been donating money to the church and everything. It all kind of like came together. So I really enjoyed it. So as soon as you say that, something kind of occurs to me from not only a player perspective, but also a DM perspective in that. Uh, so I'll speak to the player one and see if you agree with my thoughts on the DM one. But I think what's really neat about what just happened without getting too far into spoiler territory is that the the idea of a, a reward that people care about is, I think, such a gigantic carrot that yep. is not only, it, especially the one that we just got, it, it, it just feels really good. And this case is actually extremely powerful for... You can multi- talk about it because it's not in the book. Oh, okay, so what, whatever you did, be. <laughs> that it's it's brilliant because, uh, and it's one of the reasons why I know it's tons of work, Joel, um, yeah. but why I think experience systems ultimately are the most superior form you can do, because it's 
it's what it's a reward that's tangible yeah instead of just like oh well we started the next chapter yeah yeah and there's nothing wrong with that but it feels like when you're doing something and seeing a distinct reward for it or a a response so let's take like a video game for example like if you're if you're going around doing something in an rpg uh depending what it is like let's say crpg or something more standard like uh like deus ex or system shock if you're if you're running around doing something and you don't see any actual benefit to you doing it, unless you're somebody who gets off on just like exploring or the activity itself, the the extra little bonus of actually getting something out of it, I, whether it's experience, like let's say Deus Ex, like you you take yeah. different route through and all Treasure of a sudden like chest. you see a, like a like uh, gain thirty experience points for crawling through this event. It's like oh, well that's that feels good. It's nice. Yeah. I'm being rewarded for thinking outside the box and. Or treasure chests, like oh, I went behind the waterfall. That uh, you need something behind a waterfall every time. If you don't, I'm furious. <laughs> yeah. And you can go. Yeah, if there's a waterfall and you can go behind it, it just looks interesting. It's like you got to check. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, but that is so. In this case, you customized an encounter. So it, it worked. It was fantastic for a variety of reasons. Not only was it a callback to something that's been happening this entire time. With regarding Procan, which was this god that everyone just seems to be falling in love with, <laughs> yeah. and, and why not? So hot right now. But he he gave a reward that's a permanent, lasting bonus, and for the one character who's a, a an, an acolyte to the god, uh, like permanent stat increases, which in itself is an insane bonus. That, very hard uh, to come by. Yeah, very hard to come by. And in in this case, like the charisma, like nobody's gonna say no to it. But the strength bu- uh, bu- a bump was huge. So, yep. and it was just it. It felt really good, and I think it it was yeah. a brilliant DMing decision to go down that path. Thanks, and it was like one of those things where, like, you know, I've got the two campaigns, and one I'm just basically calling it in because I maybe done a cumulative twenty minutes of prep for them because it's <laughs> all the book and it's all I've done it before, so I know I know what I'm doing right. For yeah. you guys, it's like you guys are really high level. You're doing a lot of custom stuff. Obviously, you've manipulated the game to a certain point so that your experience in Salt Marsh is unique compared yeah. to everyone else. And then, yeah, so like for you guys, it's like almost like creative writing, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like and I like agonize it during the week. So like when it when it pays off for me, it like feels so good to hear you guys say that you enjoyed it. So. Well, it's it's tons of work, and I think until you've done it yourself, and even like because I'm doing the Storm King Sunder, and I'm just using a splat book, and so a lot of the the creative creative stuff is already taken care of. Like the 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 bones are yeah. laid, but it's starting one for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's so, but even then, when you see something click, it, it's great. But I think it's this might be too broad a comparison, but it's it's like playing a good game of magic when everything clicks where everyone's actually fighting with each other and you're getting the mana and stuff's clicking it's just as opposed to like you're saying it's like oh i got mana screwed and i got stomped or the other guy didn't get it and he got stomped and it just it clicked clicked it clicked and that's like a dream situation for a dm totally i gotta give credit where credit is due uh there are a lot of good ideas that sly flourish we've talked about them before has uh, with the lazy DM, and he talked about like the reasons why, uh, for example, the Tomb of Horrors is so bad. Mm-hmm. And, like not necessarily bad, but it's a ball busting experience, and you don't yeah. seem to have a good time. And that is because it's hard and it's mean, and it's all downbeats. It's mm. all negative effects, negative effects. Mm-hmm. You're just getting your ass kicked. 
whereas uh, he encourages upbeats within the dungeon. So I tried it actually, the first time I tried it was with um, the Isle of the Abbey, where they say just skip it. Everyone says skip it. Really? It's, it's that it's it, awful. It, it isn't that good, but I think you did a great job with it. So Yeah, so one of the things that we throw in is within each dungeon, there is a downside and an upside. And you guys were definitely due for some magic items and special items and stuff. So the hammer, right? The hammer doesn't exist in the book. The hammer of pain is a pretty cool item that's like a risk reward thing that's not totally overpowered, I don't think. Because you could end up doing no damage with it. Yeah. Gave a hammer that you take guaranteed up to six damage, and then you if you hit, you can do an extra twenty-four, which why not do it, right? Crazy. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, so there was downbeats and upbeats, and then coming through the the you know, you come to the vampire and then you get the orb, right? So it's like there's there's pain and suffering, and then you get a thing. And so I think that's what treasures, items, gifts, rewards, these these things really need to be in games for the reason that you mentioned. It's just, it feels good. You get that kind of like rush of endorphins and there's a reason why you did what you did. Exactly. It's you, Nobody wants to do something and not see anything from it unless this is, and the issue is that you could tolerate that in a game where there's, you know, that's what it is. There's no, there's nothing to it. Yeah. Like one of these, maybe like more hardcore, um, I don't I don't even I'm just speaking out my bottom here talking about like let's say burning wheel whatever Harry was playing and then I'm, <laughs> I'm imagining something yeah. that it's like yeah I I'm not expecting anything because there's no reason to but it's it it doesn't feel good when you know there could be stuff that could be given to you or there you know there could be a more fun and I guess yeah. that's what it boils down to a more fun um conclusion to task that you've accomplished or completed if yeah. it's just like the task itself is the the reward, well, if the rest of the game's like that, great. But if we know there's like, what? It's not even in gold. There's not even like a gem or something <laughs> I can spend yeah. on something. So come on, yeah, like give me something to work with here. So yeah, and I, I mean, I think we've hit on something that's not just isolated to D and D, but game design in itself. Like if yeah. you're making a game, make sure that you know there are payoffs. Yeah, and I think that's why uh, games like, um wingspan for example exploded because it was uh if i can be so bold uh, baby's first tableau builder just like uh, terraforming mm-hmm. mars yeah. and tableau builders feel good it, you have an engine oh, in front of you and when it clicks it clicks and you're doing stuff and there's a, a concrete cause and effect that yeah, you that occur in front of you. It's like uh Engine building just feels good because all of a sudden you start triggering this and that and that. It's kind of like gizmos is probably the simplest one. Yeah, sure. I do this, which causes this, which causes this. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Ooh. And it just it's like seeing the Rube Gold uh, Goldberg machine like start to fire up and do something is a, a tremendous experience. And I think that's part of the reason why um, it, it, it's part of it. In that, like Feast for Odin, for example, one of my favorite games is in it. It's an it it's a tableau builder. And it's not. It's an engine builder in the sense of you're you're setting stuff up, and when it starts producing and firing, you understand why. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It feels great getting stuff yeah. every turn, like seeing the rewards for your investment. Maybe that's what it is. And it can ROI be to do too, which makes it you know uh, feel good that you're an expert. Yeah, just like when, <laughs> like anything else, if when you you want to see your hard work, I think we talked about this a little bit last episode about with regard to 
um, whether you can be cream, whether you can lose knowing the game against somebody who doesn't know the game at all, it, which is an unrewarding experience because it speaks to a skill level or it speaks to a lack of skill that's baked into the game, perhaps yeah. too much randomness. But either way, fantastic uh, little session that took two, <laughs> two, <laughs> two uh, nights, which says something. So yeah, that's a long combat. I just thought yeah. of that. Like I was thinking about it near the end, actually. Like I was wondering if like anybody was thinking, like, man, I just really wish this would. <laughs> be done with right? like well, I think it's a long time ago. I think if it had gone another hour I think people would have been kind of yeah. looking at their watches but I'd say my only criticism of the little encounter kind of speaks more to the the to issues with D&D &D and it's overall but there's no there's very little room for I guess strategy in so far as like the environment and where you're going yeah. at least initially because it's at the, the end of the day unfortunately it kind of devolved into are you close enough to hit with your weapon, like melee weapon? Yes, no. Are you far yeah. enough to hit with your spell? Yes, no. And at that point, there's really just like it, it's kind of a binary choice. Are you rolling good enough to hit? Are you rolling good enough to dodge the attack or the the spells or whatever? And I, yeah. I don't know if there's a real answer to that beyond like, like definitely the it, downside of combat and D and D. Yeah. Uh, um, well, but I was going to say, uh, speaking of endorphin rushes, like one of the things I think that games really do right, which isn't really rewarding skill, but more just playing through it, is legacy games with their envelopes mm -hmm. and opening. And I was thinking about my city and how much fun I had opening the envelopes and finding out what was next, mm -hmm. which is a sensitive subject, obviously, because you don't have it yet. Yeah. But I contacted Thames and Cosmo. I just wanted to say it on the show that they said. They're, they're back, making more they're backed up all the way till May. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully, you know, it's coming. Can you imagine eventually. till May. Sometimes you see that though, like there's initial um, end of February, I guess. initial run. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're at the bottom of the queue at whatever factory is ma manufacturing these things. So you got to wait. Must be. But uh, yeah, it's our, sold out everywhere. And, and right when Shut Up and Sit Down does a video on them. So, well, that's got to be painful too. You think like those, th those guys are like, oh, if only we had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, like, I really do want those guys because I think between them and Kinesia, I want them to sell as many, like, good games deserve to sell as many copies as you they can. And totally. So hopefully the, the, the shut up and sit down bump continues. It, it's almost too bad that they didn't, like, coordinate better. But they, <laughs> Yeah, it's like, here's this great game that you can't buy right now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's, it's, there's something kind of annoying It'll about that. It'll create a hype. Yeah, maybe hype. Kind of like how King's Dilemma, I think they did a um, a video on that, and it was like, I think it was already kind of in a, a slow production side, so there might have been a couple of copies floating around, but then after they did their video, it was impossible to find a copy. Now I think they're kind of in regular rotation. But... A big thing you can't get. Yeah, well, it's nothing more desirable. Speaking exactly. of, you know, like, triggering, uh, <laughs> <laughs> triggering emotions, like I think. The stock market's been crazy. Pots, pot dropped twenty five percent overall in it's, a single day, and then it kind of well, like every, everything was kind of down there. today. I think like light, uh, light speed. Yeah. I, I didn't see Shopify. A lot of these companies were all down, so no, nothing makes sense, Joel. It's just yeah. like, it's Talk like replaying me. real life uh, uh, Panic on Wall Street. Just roll, <laughs> yeah. roll the dice and see what happens. Well, maybe it was the Senate hearing. I don't know. Wait, come on, Joel. Come on, they, buddy. I like that they're doing a hearing on the actual investors and not on the shorts but whatever we know it's all rigged yeah well it's funny that uh, uh dfv the guy who's kind of uh was the is the god of wall street bets right now yeah uh he's still holding on to every single share of uh game and it, to be fair he doesn't <laughs> have to worry about it because he's uh 
he's already like he sells on uh, contracts and options for those things so he's made his oh, money back like yeah. how many times over but the point is yeah. he's still holding on to it and as soon as i think what a lot of people are waiting for including myself just to see what happens is when those stimmy checks go out i'm very interested to see yeah very interested to see between the amc and uh, gamestop to see if there'll be a, a, a boogaloo Big electric jump. boogaloo so but I, I want before we move on, I want to I want you to address the other D and D game you've got going, not the third one, the second oh, one. Oh yeah, because uh, it's the been a little update. bit, and I, I need an update because I'm always intrigued how this ragtag group of um, screw ups are doing. So <laughs> last we heard, we they had defeated the pirate ship. I think they had gotten off the pirate ship. Yeah, so they continue to fail forward in like a, a very impressive way. I don't know if I said it on the show, but I definitely told you. But they mm-hmm. managed to to uh, kill the captain and the pirate wizard. They captured and then they let him go in exchange for information, which was pretty hilarious because um, obviously she's going to go back to the haunted house, which is completely occupied still with pirates and and base up again, you know. <laughs> But they'll be prepared to the second run, right? They're not just yeah. going to walk in right? blind. So, sure, you know, sure. there's another fight for them. Yeah. But it's been hilarious because they just kind of talk to the lizards. Uh, one of them speaks Draconic, so, you know, they're able to speak with them normally. And uh, they managed to convince the lizards that um, that they're just the new captain and they're going to they're gonna make the, make the, uh, the weapon trade. They're going to go to the Lizard Folk Lair, and they're going to sell the weapons instead of the other guys. Okay, cool. So they've like never been in Saltmarsh. Like they met in a tavern in Saltmarsh. They were there for like maybe five minutes. Head off down the road, start the haunted house, get kidnapped, break out. Now they're in the like chapter three, halfway through. They've already nego- They already are t- like they already got put in prison. Came out of prison. Talked to everybody. They did a really good job, but Seth, Seth was in the uh, prison cell with the the oh no, Subagin assassin. <laughs> and just believed everything he said <laughs> and broke broke the prison thing, and then like kind of made it look like it was still locked. So that as soon as they came and took him out of the cells, that Subagin just pew, disappeared. Okay. So they got in a lot of trouble for that, but that's good because now they can go on the quest and fight the Bullywugs. They're fighting the Bullywugs right now, and they didn't just randomly go attack the king like. <laughs> so they're actually doing it in waves, which is good because they desperately need it because they're they almost died from the first wave. And I'm giving them like three three actions in between combats so that they can heal up. So what does that mean? How do they heal up? Well, they have a couple potions. Uh, okay, they have a cleric. All right, all right. The cleric has been doing like purely healing, only healing since uh, Oceanus come up. So they have learned some lessons. Okay. And so yeah, they're doing okay. Uh, they're they're about to face the second wave, which is a wizard and two bullywugs, and then they'll face the king in the final wave. Wow. Yeah, I remember when that happened, and and Dave just like the king is obviously leaving us alone, and Dave decides to like yeah, throw some stuff and at him. Nukes it. It's like, come on, Dave. This is basic video game logic here. Come on, come on, man. <laughs> and then they, yeah, and the king comes in and knocks him out right away. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even run away. He's I just know. like, oh, I thought I could take him. <laughs> <laughs> you got to hand it to him. You know, it's it's pretty brave. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, then let's move right on to the the normal route. What else have you been playing recently? Uh, I know there's one I really want to like hear. Gloomhaven. How's Gloomhaven going? So 
I played 1846, like just as a side, and obviously we want to talk about that too. Yeah. But during 1846, it was going so badly for me that I managed to get through two rounds of Gloomhaven while everybody else was going. Oh my god, Joel. <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those things where it was over immediately and you knew it, but you have to play it out, you know? It's wow. kind of like that one other game where Y put a token down right in front of my home base, and I was like, okay, I can go one stop for the rest of the game. Yeah. Or until until greens come out. Yeah. And so I, I wrote it down because I, I couldn't understand it. So I went back through the game and I like reviewed it and I wrote it down for you. So let, let me just get it up here. Okay, so I see pars at 40, real low, right? Because he doesn't actually need stock value. He just wants it for the money. <clears throat> I see doesn't run. Stock drops to $10, right? Because there's two ORs in the first run. He buys three trains. And then he gives all three of those trains to B&O for $3, $1 each. Mm -hmm. B&O buys MS, which is like a minor company, and reaches Chicago immediately on OR 1.2, runs for $250 on the, on the, on the second operating round. Uh, it still has $212 remaining in the treasury because mm -hmm. BMO was floated at like $90, I guess. And then IC goes to zero and closes immediately. So he loses his $80 for parring IC mm -hmm. and gets like the biggest jump on a different company that I've ever seen and floats GT at 90, the next thing with all the money he made from B&O. He runs the two companies. IC is closed, so there's only four companies total. So he's got two successful companies, me and... My, me and Michael are sitting there. Mark. Me and Mark, sorry, are sitting there, you know, running successful companies. PRNR made it to Chicago pretty quickly. And then yeah. he's, he's got uh, New York Central and is running pretty well. But two fairly good companies against two massively successful companies for one player. It wasn't even close. He, he, I mean, you saw the, th he beat us by like $1,700. It's a, yeah, pretty big, uh, pretty big differential. So I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. So the, the I think it bears explanation that 1846 is a, is fairly different from the other ones we're used to playing. So A, it has a 2D stock market, uh, and B, it has um, the the way the privates come out. I think is different. Uh, you you buy them from the the market initially. Like it's not like an auction, is it? Or am it's I wrong? It's insane. There's a draft. I've yeah, before. it's kind of cool actually, but it kind of like takes a lot of the strategy out of the privates part. And yeah, it's it meant to be parts. very newbie friendly because, like, obviously anything that you're bidding on, there's no the the relative value means nothing to you for how many plays before you really figure it out. So, so oddly enough, that's newbie friendly, but I think the actual strategy of 1846 is super inaccessible, according to what I read. I read a thing where the guy interviewed like a four different people and each guy had played at least 250 games of 1846. Holy Jesus. These are like some serious cognards. And all of these guys are like, this is my favorite 18xx game. Like basically like the guy had played like 250 games of 1846. Sure. And then about the same of every other 18xx game. Yeah. You know, so like, and a, and a lot of the other people were like that. Some of them had played more 1846 than any other, or than all the other 18xx yeah. they played. 
And I think it's it's that case with a lot of them. Like there's one game they play a lot of and they kind of dabble around. Yeah. But what do the two trains cost? Uh, 80 bucks. Okay. So just so I, I'm just going to talk it out just so, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. So he, he starts a company, low power, pri- low power price. He's, did you say 40? 40 bucks. Yeah. 40 bucks. Which is like, you can go up to a hundred. Yeah. Well, 40 so is the lowest. hundred or 150? hundred. So he starts a company and he, how does he buy three trains if he only has enough money or did he buy enough shares just to get to the three trains and then he just yeah. let it drop? I think he bought four shares. Okay. So this was just a, a method for him to be able to give a bunch of cheap trains to a, a, the second company he always wanted? Yep. And did people invest in this uh, first company or was this something that So that's would... the thing. And that's another like meta thing that I thought about after that I thought maybe he was up to something because here's the thing. He floated IC and I had the idea, I wanted to try the investor strategy, which doesn't really work in 1846. I didn't know that yet. Because of the draft, I couldn't really get expensive privates, which is what you want in the mm-hmm. investor. You want to get a lot of, uh, yeah, of nice private so that you get the capital. So I only ended up with like 15 generated capital um, for my private. So I knew it was already in a bad situation there. But then I immediately bought a share of IC after he floated. And he said, Joel, take that back. Don't buy the IC. And I right then, like my heart sank. I was like, "Oh no, oh, something's going on here." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, "And I'm like, what are you gonna do?" And he's like, "You'll see." Yeah. Like, oh no. So I know he's up to something. I don't know how to deal with it. Obviously, it's like my second game, eighteen forty. Wait, I, I have to interrupt like, too. Where's Mark? Because I thought Mark loves forty six. And Mark just like... kind of like went with it. He was like, "Yeah, I think you should probably not not buy it." I don't know what he's up to, but he's up to something. Yeah. Well, I said, somebody did this to me online. And it blew my mind. And I was yeah. like, okay, well, I guess we want to see it. <laughs> so, and then I was thinking about it afterwards anyway. And I thought maybe if I had, right, it was only 40 bucks. Yeah. I could have easily taken the presidency of IC from him. Because mm-hmm. I had more more money, actually, more capital starting up. So his shenanigans would have failed. I would have had like a fairly cheap company, whatever. But, you know the game would have gone on in a normal fashion. So I think maybe people, and this is what I read from the people that were, had played at 250 games and everything is that 1846 doesn't really have an overarching strategy, but it requires you to be very flexible. Yeah. Yeah. To what's to what's other people are doing and to respond accordingly. And I think that they would have known, they would have seen why I do this and be like, I know the exact response, right? So like you think the proper fun. response would have just been to buy IC shares. Yeah. yeah. So do you feel like you got bullied then in the sense of him saying, don't do it? And then you're There's like, been oh, a couple of situations where like, why has given advice? Like, yeah. oh, you should really upgrade Chicago. And then he lands in Chicago immediately. Yeah. Where it's like what advice that might be good for you, but it's definitely good for him. Right, right. <laughs> so yeah, a little bit. But like also, you know, I want it was an interesting thing. I mean, mm-hmm. like the game was rough and like, obviously we lost by thousands of dollars. But it was neat to see something like that happen. Now we know it exists. Well, it just to me, it seems to me weird that I don't see why this is unique to 46 because outside of, because um, obviously a company go, go, can go bankrupt, but he's still stuck with his presidency share. Is How did he? It just disappears. Like those shares, when it goes to $0, because it drops to $0, 
One, two, three. Just, so it took three ORs for it to hit bankrupt. No, and... somehow he did it in the first. Like, I don't know how, how? it got to 20. Maybe because he issued. Because you can issue shares that might drop your stock. Oh, maybe sure. that's how it works. I, I don't but, know. Oh, that's how he actually got more capital without actually buying stuff. So you can issue shares and get your money. So, that so he didn't actually buy that many market. stocks. You can actually issue two shares per OR. And does that, so you throw it into the stock market and you get the cash into the company at the current market value? Exactly. Okay. That's how he did it. Sorry, I, I missed that part and that was pretty important. No, that's okay. It's it's like, I haven't, I've only- that way he's not months. spending the money, right? Otherwise he's dropping a, a $160. So right? he, deliber Just he deliberately bankrupted channel. the company. And exactly. And he but, did it in one OR because I was thinking, oh, I'll buy some of these shares if they're 10 bucks. Yeah, yeah. I'd see what I can do, salvage this thing. I don't even care if I pay for a train. But it was just gone. It was like blip 18xx.games. That ge that company never existed. Yeah. So and also you're already playing three players, so you dropped to five companies. So now there's only four companies. He's got two of them. It's like Yeah, yeah. Crazy, and, man. And crazy. something else to point to is that so 46 has A, there are no small towns, there are no dits in 46. Yep. And they also have weird trains in that I think they have trains that you can you you can hit up to X cities, but you pick like the best three or yeah. the best one. So you can water. either buy, you can either buy you a four, buy four. And four yeah. cities, or you can do like a three slash five where you can go the distance of five cities and pick the three that you hit. Yeah. In H&XX games, again, credit to them, always do a great job. They'll just pick the most valuable stops. You don't have to oh, actually do they pick do? which ones you stop at. Holy smokes. It's, yeah. it's brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's so good. Every time I play it, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. It is. Keeps it's, your roots. It's, and... it's too good. It's yeah. it's too good. All right. Well, was that your first time playing 46 then? Yeah. No, second. And then the, another funny thing that happened in it is we're like three quarters of the way through. We all know why it's blown us away. And then there's this situation where he's like, hey, if you lay this track here, you'll make an extra $10. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. ten dollars. Yeah, <laughs> it was like the game was almost over. How how long did it last? Not long at all. Maybe an hour and a half. Incredible. Yeah, it's that it's a quick so game. Fast. Yeah, it's always two ORs. That's the other thing, and the ORs don't go up like in other ones. Mm -hmm. Always it two. And yeah, just I mean, his his thing obviously sped it up because the train rush was flowing because yeah. of the, the quick thing but but then we got into a situation which was pretty funny which is by the last or and maybe it was even the one before there were actually no stocks for us to buy because we had 60 percent of our company and like all the other stocks were <laughs> sold out so we couldn't actually buy any stocks oh weird you we were capped at 11 anyway so we were pretty close to that end and 11 very tight too well, so companies is not a lot no 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 not at all so this is fascinating. I love hearing about this because, like I said, it's been a long time since I played 46. I don't remember yeah. this my experience being anywhere near this level of shenanigan, but I have a feeling he's been playing a lot online, maybe yeah. learning a thing or two from some of these guys. But I, we're I still, learning. Sorry. We're hearing about it on the podcast, derailed about incremental cap, and it kind of intrigued me. I was like, oh, try an intercommunal. Yeah. It is, I don't know. I think there's a lot more strategy involved, it's a lot harder. In my opinion, well, especially but. if you have to issue shares, and when you issue shares, does it drop your uh, value as well? No, I don't think so. But okay. you do. It goes into the market, and if it's in the market, yeah, there we go. Now I'm starting to get it. 
if it's in the if there's any share in the market at the end of the stock round, it goes down. Okay, so that's how it uh, crapped out. So, yeah. so immediately drops one, two, uh, two R. So he's not paying out one, two. He didn't even need to get there if he didn't. Then he withheld, or then he issued, or he he didn't pay out another two times. Then it's just gone. So. Yeah. Although he must have kept it alive once because he, he bought trains with it. He needs... Did he start two companies in the first stock round? Yeah, yeah okay. he bought B&O as well. Uh, all right, that makes perfect sense. Okay. Sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. I still think that... Yeah, I, I feel like... You he, can go to the game and kind of like click through it. And it is kind of interesting to see. It's tricky for me to read it. I find like yeah. a lot of the stuff blends into it. But the... Ultimately, though, I still think that, and I, I kind of get what you're saying when you talked about the game earlier. I, I think the his advice of not to buy that company was a little disingenuous because totally because he's like, if you if he if Joel buys a share in this, I can't do what I wanted to do. Yeah, because but I, it, on the other he, hand, he that my stock I was going to lose money on the stock initially. Sure, but did you? If he didn't do anything, if he didn't respond, would you have been able to? Because you say you had enough cash. Would he? Have well, been the able thing to is, a I had enough. I had a little more cash than him, so I probably could have taken presidency. Yeah. And B, the one thing he definitely couldn't have done was float B and O. So, all right, then that's a huge deal. So, yeah. right there, I think that's that's a little. Um, I, yeah. I think that's a little on the edge in terms of. Like it's not like something. Yeah, let me do what I want to do. It's it's like it's not something that I can do regardless. And I'm giving you some friendly advice. Like you can you can go in, and it's and I can still do it. It's going to be a little more painful for both of us, but I can still get away. Versus no, I can't get away with it. So you doing this is yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. So I don't know. I'm a little disappointed to hear that, but overall, I think at least it was a valuable experience, and you learned some tricks. But I think yeah, and I got to play a lot of Gloomhaven. They yeah. sat there and watched him run both his companies. It, it, that's fun, isn't it? Because <laughs> he does. It would also took him a really long time, like fifteen minutes to like oh decide God, really? what he was gonna do. And uh, you know, like when you're losing by that much, and someone is like really agonizing about his roots, you're just kind of like, oh man. And then he's like, and then I run for seven hundred sixty dollars. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> it was it was fun being here for it. So yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> All right, well, let's take a, on that note, musical break. We'll be back in a second and uh, we'll continue chatting about games and stuff. So stay tuned.
And welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM, Android's Dungeon, show about games, mostly music, whatever. What you just heard was The Knight's Tale, track number two off of The Canterbury Tales by Chaucerian Myth, a very, uh, let's say, a specific artist with a specific album. Wait, uh, that wasn't Britney Spears? It was not Britney Spears. Britney Spears, oh, uh, it's a little known fact. Uh, Britney Spears is infamous for trying to get her own dungeon synth album based on the uh, Canterbury Tales off the ground, but was yeah. stymied to such an extent that she had a mental breakdown and shaved her head and attacked a vehicle with <laughs> a, a, an umbrella. The studios weren't having any of it. The The MK Ultra programming wore off at that point she, she was too edgy and dark <laughs> too edgy and dark and they figured it was too niche but <laughs> they already had nine inch nails <laughs> they didn't need another one trent reznor was already doing his own uh, dungeon synth album based on uh, jewish mythology or something along those lines <laughs> totally uh, so yeah the golem nobody talks about golem. that's the only jewish jewish myth i know except for maybe the entire religion of christianity but well i, I took a, <laughs> one of the silliest classes I ever took it, it was fourth year university and i took a uh religions course in jewish mythology because i was really psyched about that i was thinking this will be fun and it's I, th I think it was like a second year sort of mixed level course or something so it's like this it, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter but it should be interesting and it was taught by this uh i think he's a rabbi actually um, but it was one of the weirdest courses ever taken in my life. And we got off to a strange start because he asked a question and uh, he was saying, he, he was asking about Spock. And he said, well, what, what planet is Spock from? And there's this long pregnant pause in the room and I'm looking around and it's a bunch of kids. And I just like, I, I, put, I just say, Vulcan. <laughs> and then he points at me and smiles and says, ah, the Trekkie. It's like, come on. Nerd, <laughs> <he> got you. <laughs> like it was like a trap he set for me <laughs> so, so the rest of the this the year i was known as the trekkie and like i do love star trek but it's like i felt like a little a little pushed but like the, even i knew that and i didn't even watch yeah, the like, show that's what that was my like being upset about something it's like it didn't feel even that unique it's like <laughs> anyone knows that it's like uh, what power do they use in star wars yeah, like what? What are this magical Star Wars characters called? And it's like Jedi nerd. It's like okay, you got me, I guess. Loser. But uh, one of the things in this class was it was all about, or there was this extreme focus on this, this basically this this uh, biblical, like Old Testament era um, kind of MacGyver esque character called the Baal Shem Tov, uh, which was essentially like a, a master demon exorcist and. Mm. You think that sounds fantastic, but these stories were told with so straight faced and they were so absurd that I, I found myself like, I love this stuff. I absolutely love it. I love mythology. I love the occult. I love, love, love it. And even I was kind of looking at like, is this, is this guy for real? <laughs> like, I, I'm trying to figure out if this is like, are you legit saying <laughs> like 2000 years ago, this guy was running around expelling demons? He's a like, rabbi. Does he actually believe them? The myths? Well, or is that's, he... what I was, that's what I never quite figured out. Like whether it was it was meant to be apocryphal and like these were parables or whether he was legit thinking or believing that this guy was running around performing these feats of magic. And <laughs> I, I still don't know the answer. And I, I did quite poorly in that class. Like I, I think the TA was one of these hot, cold, like I think he was in his thirties or late twenties or something. He struck me as way too old to be doing this class. And you get a bad feeling from some of these TAs. And I remember he mm -hmm. failed, failed me on a paper once and I've never failed a paper in all of university. Like you show mm -hmm. up and you've got a pulse 
yeah. and you, you pass your paper. He failed me on a paper, and then I got like a ninety-eight in another paper. And it's like I don't, I didn't do anything differently, so <laughs> I don't know what to believe. <laughs> Maybe you just didn't like your opinion. <laughs> it's possible. It's 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 entirely possible because I do That's some crazy. very hard opinions on stuff, and but none of them showed up oh, in this wow. Jewish mythology. So it sounds like a really weird and interesting course. And I, when you when you mentioned the title, it was like one of those things where it's like a title that grabs you, and then it's like. Either the course is really interesting and fun or really terrible and boring and not what you expected. Like a course on StarCraft, but then you go in and it's like, <laughs> oh, here's all the graphs about probabilities that you didn't know you were going to be doing. Yeah, exactly. Like you just get tricked into doing something about that you had no intention of ever learning about. Uh, like I'm just looking through this book. I've got a little book on Jewish mythology next to me and I'm just trying to look up C, B, 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 B. Uh, I see Bail. Which is like the root of Baal Shem Tov, because Baal yeah. just means master or lord, I think, in um, uh, like whatever ancient language is based on. So that means nothing. So, uh, bottom line, I'm putting the book away for now. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. You know, I probably read Revelation like a dozen times. So, stop, stop, stop. Right away, you know, Joel means business, because one of the most common mispronunciations is Revelations. And oh. it drives me crazy. Absolutely drives me crazy when people say that. So. <laughs> well, I'm glad I passed that test. Yeah, it just it's so obnoxious. <laughs> like people mixing up crucifix and uh, cross. Like for a lot of people, they say crucifix because it sounds good, but it's like I don't see Jesus. Do you? Yeah. Do you see Jesus on there? <laughs> if I if I don't see a bloody man just like <laughs> at the end of his life, I have no interest in this. <laughs> Speaking of crosses, did you know that it's kind of interesting? I always saw like the Eastern Orthodox cross, and I was like, why is one always crooked? And it bugged bugged me for a while. Actually, the 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 the, the diagonal one is pointing uh, towards Jerusalem. I had no idea. Yeah. Now you know. It's like a compass. Interesting, very interesting. The Eastern Orthodox stuff is I know very little about. I just know they have got fantastic oh, cool. beards. That's it. But anyway, what I was going to say about Revelation is that it's like, like I have read it because it was super cool. I wasn't like reading it for religious reasons. Um, I always really? thought it was like so the most badass, like intense D and D you've ever stuff. seen. Good. Stuff. Like, man, you could really use some of that stuff. You know? <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because I've always go off about um, the one of my favorite RPG series is the uh, Shin Megami Tensei stuff, and the they the what's really neat is that all the it's I always describe it as like adult nerdy Pokemon because essentially yeah. you're building a team of these creatures and they all have bonuses and malices and. You're trying to find what works best against everything else. But all the monsters come from mythology, generally speaking. And um, a lot of the really powerful ones come from the book of Revelation and like all the Oh sweet. So you have the like the the like trumpeter and the the four cool angels and everything. And all the different angels, like all yeah, because and going right into the Bible with the idea of like especially these designs by this guy named uh Kaneko, I don't know if it's his first name or last name, but his designs are brilliant. And he takes the literal biblical interpretation of them, which are these, because um, the, everyone looks thinks, if you say, what is it, draw an angel, and people draw like... Oh, yeah. Not a stuff. thing with seven heads and a hundred eyes. hundred eyes, like horrific to look at. Yeah. Uh, obviously, a mix of epileptic hallucinations and... <laughs> yeah, who knows what they're drinking. You know, what they're drinking. Yeah. Like the revelation. Well, these visions. But uh, well, it's yeah. just one one dude, right? Well, yeah, yeah. the Revelation of Saint John. So, name. Peter. 
I thought it was John. John. Yeah, that's yeah. it. On it, I think he was on an island by himself or something. But yeah, it's so much fun. That it was always one of my favorite books, at least in the New Testament, because it, it was oh, yeah. it stood out. Right? It wasn't just uh, uh, the, like the, the ending. Would, they had to finish strong. <laughs> 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 Can't be like pancakes. <laughs> like pancakes? That's oh, a Mitch Hedberg joke. Oh, okay. It's like I... uh, to be a good comedian, you got to start strong and finish strong. You can't be like pancakes, you know, all exciting at first, but by the end, you're sick of them. <laughs> is, is he wrong? Is he wrong? <laughs> no. We had pancakes on the weekend and I felt the same way. They were delicious, but I, there was definitely like me forcing myself through the last of them at the end. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of food right now. How long can you eat fluffy gloom? You know, it's like yeah. it's, it's pretty tasty at first. And then you're like, hmm. These were, I don't know if there's banana, there were chocolate chips in them, so that goes a long way too. So. We didn't deserve <laughs> Mitch Hedberg. He uh, definitely, I, I, it's almost, it sounds ghoulish, but I'm almost happy he's dead because I don't think he would have, I think. No, he couldn't have continued. Yeah, it's true. It's like Dave Chappelle telling his jokes these days that people are really shaking their heads. <laughs> I, I don't mind the new Chappelle stuff, but it's not as funny. It's no, definitely. It's not. Like, I can listen to Killing Him Softly on loop, basically, and I still yeah. think it's hilarious. And and even the the other one, uh, I forget uh, this, the follow up on HBO, or just this whole show. The show, yeah, yeah. Um, where were we? Hey, what oh, have you been playing yeah, lately, Jack? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, if if you're a if you haven't joined the Guelph Board Gaming Group, you should do that because then you already have a leg up on everything I'm going to say, generally speaking. Yep. So. Uh, but I got to play two games we haven't touched in a long time. Uh, f I'll start with the second because it's uh, something that, like I said, we haven't played in a while, but going back to it, it's like a warm blanket, and that is Patchwork. Two-player game. Oh, yeah. Obi Rosenberg. It is, it is such a good game that I think there's no reason that anyone who considers themselves a gamer should not have sitting on their shelf somewhere or at least recommending it to people. It is dirt simple. Uh, but like all the good, like all good games, there's a lot of depth to it. And I think at high level could be something that like, I'm not, even, I'm not even pretending I'm at high level, but I think that <laughs> it is just something that I think if you got very competitive at, you could really find yourself in some real death matches with other people. And the general principle, if you don't know what it is, you take these uh, polyomino uh, shapes and they're all designed like a, uh, a quilt and you're sliding these pieces onto your quilt and each piece has on it two pieces of information, sometimes three. It has the cost in buttons, it has the time it takes to sew it, and it may or may not have button income. And... You pay both these resources as soon as you pick it up. The one is, I guess they're both finite, but one is more obviously finite uh, mm -hmm. because you start with five bucks. And so you pay you that. You can afford something or you can't. Exactly. So you, you can always, you almost always afford the you time. You can always pay time. Yeah. And then you put it on the board and you're trying to fill up as many spaces as possible because every space at the end of this board at the end of the game is worth negative two points. And the person with the most buttons at the end is the winner. And that's what you do. You take turns and you lay out these shapes all across uh, in a nice little circle. And you've got this uh, giant wooden piece, which indicates which shapes you can take three above or three below it. And when you take a uh, one of these shapes, you move the button and that provides new op options for your opponent to take. And you rinse and repeat. 
until you run out of time and you're moving on this board in this spiral fashion until you get to the center. And periodically throughout the board, there are little buttons on it that indicate you leather get. Uh, there, yeah, there are leather patches as well. So which count as like a one square bonus piece for you to fill in if you've been deliberately anticipating it or accidentally doing it. You've just laid things out poorly. And there's also button income spaces where when you pass by, you get income for every excuse me, shape on the board that has a button on it. So uh, that's it. Just rinse and repeat, go, go, go until both of you have run out of time or cannot mm -hmm. legally place another piece. Uh, but either way, you're going to make your way to the end of the board. And um, it doesn't get any simpler than that. But at the end of the day, it is extremely strategic and there's a lot of great decisions to make. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a very inexpensive, pretty game too. And I, it's just, I cannot recommend it enough unless you yeah. despise despise tiling <laughs> yeah and i despise tiling and i love this game yeah in fact um on board game geek i have about six or seven games with 10 and patchwork is one of them wow i think uh the reason for it is there's just nothing wrong with it yeah, that's i can't exactly see a single flaw in patchwork and i think i also have code names in there as like a, the other sure. really simple game that i give a 10 to because why not Codenames is the perfect party it's game. Flawless no game. question. It, well, you got to look at kind of like what did what's the game setting out to do? Did it succeed? And are you having fun playing it? As with those criteria, yeah. I think easy ten out of ten. Maybe not using a board game geek rating metric, but uh, the personal metric for sure. So anyway, Final that was little pro tip on the rules of patchwork is uh, you can always afford the time because no matter how much time a piece takes, if you're close to the end, you just go to the end and stop. That's yeah, that's a good one. Like, although I'm trying to imagine who is the space for some of these big yeah, yeah. that far down, but you never know; it might come up. Um, and last game in the diamonds, the show that I'll I'll mention, um, is another Rosenberg, uh, two-player game, which is Caverna K versus Cave, which is the ag again, it is a Agricola Junior. I, I don't even know if I'd call it a Agricola Junior because like I've got we've got all creatures great and small the both of us yeah and that's I think, easy too actually and I think that it it's not a difficult game in the sense of you're not I I think Agricola all, do you have to feed people in all creatures great and small I don't think so I think all creatures is like as far as I remember I, we bought it we only played it twice and it was like way too easy like we just had like the perfect farm and the game wasn't over yeah oh, interesting um. It, it it cuts out that aspect of like having to feed people, but yep. it integrates it in a more organic way in the sense of it makes things more expensive to do as the game goes on. So you have to feed uh, yeah. people more actions, but the further the game goes, it automatically gives you more people. So you're taking more actions on your turn, but you're also having to pay more for certain actions. So it's a, it's a brilliant implementation of uh, the abstract idea of like, as opposed to just like, yeah, it's harvest time pay for your family yeah. in this case it's doing oh, the action yeah so anyway uh, I'm, i don't want to go into too much detail because i don't think there's enough time for it but um it it, it takes caverna and again distills it down to its essence its core and which game do you think is better the the two-player one or the the full game is that what you're asking yeah caverna or caver's cave i i think uh, Caverna is still better game, but Cave versus Cave is such a good replacement for it that the better question is, what would you recommend? Because it's much and faster, right? I would say it's it's just so much faster, and it hits the same beats. So it's not a better game, 
per se, but it is a more fun game and easier to play, easier to set up, and faster. So I think mm -hmm. all those pros outweigh getting at the big box and sitting down. Like if you've got two hours to play Caverna, great, do it. Knock yourself yeah, out. Yeah, that's true. But if you've got this two-player game, I think but it's if you've really got two hard. hours. <laughs> right. So at the end of the day, again, if you're if you don't have Caverna and if you want a two-player game that uh, that's going to make you happy, I, I cannot recommend Cave vs. Cave enough. And there's an expansion that's supposed to be quite good that adds even more depth to it, which is what I always love to see is when there's an expansion for these little two-player games because that means that uh, <laughs> there's a they're selling and b there there's enough missing from the core package that you can even put more into it to make it or flesh it out a little bit. So. Uh, huge recommendation for Cave versus Cave, and uh, yeah. Rosenberg in general just cannot do wrong. Although I haven't played, UA. I haven't played any of his new games. I don't think. Yeah, I think uh, he's. Since, I don't know. Autumn. I don't. What is it? What was it? Autumn. Indian summer. Indian summer, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's. He put a New York Zoo recently. That was a Capstone Ooh. publish, and then there's Hollertau, which is another gigantic game. That I'd be interested in playing, but it looks a little dry for me. It's not quite what I'm waiting for. So, anyway, I'll, I'll keep an eye on. But either way, that's the end of the show for this week. Uh, Joel, is there anything you want to add? No. Good. Excellent. Great. Well, I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Thank you for listening. Check us out on CFRU.ca if you're not already there, or you can listen to us on all your favorite podcasting websites. Uh, yeah, check make us out sure. Instagram. Make sure you read the Bible. It's got a killer ending. <laughs> <laughs> it's, worth, it's worth the other 65 books. And then you can get the uh, the DLC. You can get the Nag Hammadi yeah. uh, scripture and read the stuff they cut out of the Bible, too, from the yeah. Dead Sea Scrolls. So. Director's cut. <laughs> Director's cut. Anyway, have a good one. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.